Happy Easter, Grace Long Beach. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Grateful to be with you who are here. Grateful to be with you who are at home streaming. You know, we are an Easter people, and that means we are called to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And we rejoice in the resurrection this morning, but we also rejoice together as a community. One of the reasons we have to rejoice is because our very own Brandon Roa um, and his girlfriend, Cal Calica, are no longer together as girlfriend and boyfriend because they are now engaged as of yesterday. So, uh, so we rejoice with you, Brandon, and with you, Cal, and I know I mortified both of you. Um, and we also, we're not just a community who rejoices together, but we weep together. And we weep together uh, for various reasons, because we are an Easter people who live um, in both a Good Friday and a Silent Saturday world. Uh, and we, we lament together the loss of Clarence Davis, uh, a dear brother here um, at Grace. And if, if you've been coming to Grace at all, uh, you would know Clarence because he's behind me. He would be behind me usually, the first one that you would see uh, as you would enter to the church. Um, he died a couple weeks past, and th that is a loss that we feel. Uh, we weep also because... Dan and Gloria Fleming, a very important part of our community here, they lost their middle son, their 30-year-old son, Ethan, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, and, and so we weep with them, recognizing that the world is not the way it's supposed to be and that the resurrection better have happened. Uh, as I think about Ethan, it touches close. Ethan grew up in this church. I've been here for 15 years. Ethan was part of my uh, youth ministry when I was helping to lead it in high school, and um, his presence will be missed, and of course, we together as a community need to be with the Davis family, with the Fleming family as they grieve and as they mourn, and Dan and Gloria, we, we, are, we are with you um, in that, and, and Pearlie Davis, we are with you in your lament. So before we get into the, the sermon this morning um, and attest to the good news that, that Jesus is alive, let us pray together. God, you... You are the God who has brought us together as your family. You are the God who could not be defeated by death. You are the God who knows intimately what it feels like to live in a good Friday, in a silent Saturday world, in the midst of our suffering. When we wonder where you are, we look at the cross, we look at the tomb, we know you were there. But you also are the God who moves through that to today to Easter Sunday, that you are the God who is raised again, that you raise your son Jesus back from the dead and that he is living. And so we ask that we would worship that truth, that we would attend to that reality, that that would be something that, uh, that shapes and forms our life together, our life as your disciples. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, that was scary, right? I mean, did you guys feel that? That was that pop. I didn't know what to do in that moment, but I just got a jolt. So on Easter, we proclaim that the resurrection isn't simply an idea, but it's something that actually happened in history. It's not a concept we believe in. We believe that the work of God disrupted our time and space by raising Jesus from the dead by taking him out of the tomb, and it's beyond anything humanity could ever imagine or conceive of. 
They had no concept for this. We often have no concept for this. But this is the work of God and Jesus that we attend to this morning on Easter Sunday, that Jesus Christ is risen. So here's the first thing I want to say is that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. You heard the scripture read this morning from John chapter 20. On the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and she sees that the stone has been rolled away. She, gets, she freaks out. She goes back to tell the disciples. The disciples run with her. Simon Peter being there first on the scene. He goes in. He sees the linen wrappings laid down with no body, of course. Jesus isn't there. They didn't understand this moment. How could they? They had no way to be prepared for it. It was complete and utter surprise. See, from where we stand in history, we know the story. We have inside information. The disciples do not. And the inside information we have is the best, most wonderful news in the whole entire world. That is, Jesus was raised from the dead. And we proclaim it as the good news, as the best news. Death does not, death will not have the final word. The tomb is empty. And the other thing I want to say is that death has been defeated. And this is the basis of our hope. The Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain, and your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that He raised Christ, whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ... We are of all people most to be pitied. My friends, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then all we do and say as Christians is in vain. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, then it is evil and death that has the final word. Our faith is futile. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, the strong grip of death that holds us through sin, that holds us through fear, that holds us through despair, it pulls us into that cold, dark tomb, and it says, this is the end of your story. With the stone rolled in front of it, with complete and utter darkness, and there is only death. If Jesus was not raised, that is the end of the story. And we know that that is not the end of our story. Our story finds its life, it finds its very soul on Easter morning, as the grip of death could not hold Jesus down. The grip of death could not hold Jesus down. The power of God puts death itself to death. Again, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O oh death, is your victory? Where, O oh death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Do not be moved. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Because Jesus is raised from the dead, there is victory. 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what is true for us. This is what is true for Ethan Fleming. This is what is true for Randy Marshman. This is what is true for Ed Stringham. This is what is true for Clarence Davis. This is what is true for those of you who have lost parents. This is what is true for the millions of lives that have been lost over this last year. Death cannot hold Jesus down. Death has been defeated because Jesus has been raised from the dead. This is our story. This is our story. And because this is our story, let us not be moved. Isn't that amazing that the Apostle Paul says that? No, your faith is not futile. Jesus was raised from the dead. So take hold. Let nothing move you. Your labor is not in vain. And so the last thing I want to tell you is that Jesus is alive. And Jesus is alive to us in a way that nobody else has ever been alive to us. Jesus is still alive. Yes, he ascended to the Father, but his presence remains through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus is alive. Let us go back to the story told in John chapter 20. Again, the disciples return to their homes. Mary Magdalene comes back. The faithful women of Scripture wanting to be near to the Lord. She comes back and she's weeping and she sees two angels in white sitting there where Jesus was. They ask why she's weeping. She describes that something has happened to her Lord. She hears a voice behind her. She imagines it's a gardener. And she just imagines that this person probably has something to do with what has happened to the body of Jesus. And then she says, well, if you've done something, please return. Please give us back our Lord, the body of our Lord. Then, of course, we know that this gardener, who is in fact Jesus, speaks her name and says, Mary. Mary, and she sees her eyes are opened. The presence of Jesus, somehow mysteriously different, but yet still there, calls her name and she responds. And then Jesus tells her to go, go tell the disciples what she's seen. So she goes back, of course, to the disciples. And he tells her what he wants her to say. And then she's left with the only words that she can speak to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. Because Jesus is alive. Jesus is still present. Mary says, I have seen the Lord. And if Jesus is still with us and present to us and alive to us, then we can say that we have seen the Lord. And perhaps it's not in big ways, but in small ways. And I ask the question of some of my friends of how have you experienced resurrection life? How have you seen the Lord at work in your life? And I just want to share some of their responses. See, maybe you're like the person in our community who shared with me that they experienced resurrection life, the work of the living Christ through being reconciled and restored to another Christian brother in this community after months and months of what felt like tension and conflict. And this began because the Spirit of God prompted one of these brothers to move toward the other in confession and repentance. Jesus is alive. The resurrection life of God still happens. God continues to reconcile the world to himself, even in this way, even in our community. And now since we're in the realm of conflict, maybe you're like the woman in our community who shared with me about how God has begun to heal what felt like an irreparable chasm between her and her grandson because of held on to pain and because of all of the ways that, that people didn't recognize that they were contributing to this pain, to this ongoing story of, of chasm. It's going to keep happening. 
just a reminder, Jesus is alive, so be prepared. But through these small acts of acknowledgement, again, some more confession, what seemed like this, this bridge or this gap that could not be bridged became something that they were able to pull through and move toward one another. And now there is movement toward healing in this family. Maybe you're like my friend who saw a glimpse of resurrection life, even amidst 2020 in quarantine. Their family comprised of children that they've been fostering for many years. And it's operated less like a foster family this last year and more like a, a whole, complete family. All the words they used to say to their foster children of, we are with you in this all the way, became absolutely and completely true. And my friend said that my highlight of 2020 was when my daughter played the violin for me on my birthday. God creating new families resurrection life still happening. Maybe you're like my friend who shared with me about how God prompted her to get heavily involved in a neighbor's story, that she began to take responsibility for this home that was completely dilapidated, filled with, with absolute chaos, incarceration, and, and foster children or children going into the system. I'm telling you, he is risen. That's right. Every time that happens, we just say he is risen. You at home, if you hear it, you just say, he is risen. That, that's good. Keeps us on our toes. But this woman was sharing that because she got involved in this neighbor's story, all of a sudden, there began to be healing. She began to pray for this woman. She began to plant flowers for this woman, where this house actually became a place where children could live and children could thrive. All because of somebody in our community taking responsibility for a neighbor and loving her neighbor. That is resurrection life. Maybe you're like the few people who shared with me about how they've experienced resurrection life and newfound spiritual practices of actually wanting to engage the life they feel like they've been called to for so long with Jesus. And they've experienced the actual presence of Christ by giving themselves to an ongoing walk and work with Jesus and have experienced his closeness. That is resurrection life. I'm hoping that through these stories, you can sense that Jesus is alive and present with you. Maybe you're like the people from our community who've had small but significant moments. I have a friend who told me that even in the midst of all this chaos, they were getting out of their car and they heard these birds singing. And it was as if these singing birds were a reminder that God has not given up. That God is still with us. He is risen. There you go. We got it. Finally, we got it. Uh, and that these, that these songs actually became, these songs of these birds became moments where they knew that God was still with them. God takes care of the birds of the air. Maybe you're like the people from our community who shared with me the ways they've experienced the living presence of Christ through their relationships and friendships here. Like my friend who suffered depression and knew that people were with them all the way in it and through it. Like my friends, my brothers and sisters in this community who have experienced the sting of death in ways unimaginable and attest to the fact that they know, that they know there's hope, they know that God is with them because we, as people, as Easter people, are with them. They know Jesus is alive. He is risen. They know Jesus is alive because we 
are with them. You see, the resurrection, the tomb is empty, death has been defeated, and Jesus is alive. But the resurrection actually becomes a pattern of the way our lives are supposed to be lived. We live into resurrection life. We live into people who speak in the face of death that there is possibility of hope. It does not mean that we deny the reality of death. It does not mean that we look past it as if it doesn't happen. It means that we can actually acknowledge in the face the terrible Friday and the silent Saturday and be people marked by the hope of Sunday, that we can be with people in each and every part of their life because we know that our faith means something, that our faith has teeth, that our faith actually has hope as its basis, and it's a hope that has been earned not by us but by the power of God, what he's done through the person of Jesus Christ. That is why we hope. That is why we are Easter people. And so the tomb is empty, death has been defeated, and Jesus is alive, and so may we become people. May we become people, a community who boldly proclaim with our mouths, with our lives, what Mary was able to proclaim. I have seen the Lord. That is the best possible news that we have is that we can be people who acknowledge that we have seen the Lord because Christ has been raised from the dead. And our faith means something because God has made it mean something through what he's done in Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thanks be to God. This morning, we're actually going to witness people who are proclaiming to us that they have seen the Lord, and they're going to be doing that through the act of baptism. Now, the act of baptism, when people are baptized, they're identifying themselves with the person with the story of Jesus. As they are immersed into the water in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, They are identifying with the death of Jesus. They are saying to us, they are bearing witness to the fact that they are putting to death their old way of life. That they are not the center anymore of of meaning, of how they're going to live. They are putting to death themselves so that they might then be raised again as they come out of the water They are identifying with the resurrection of Jesus, proclaiming that life comes only one way. True, full, complete life comes only one way. And that is through the person of Jesus Christ. And they are identifying their story with the story of Jesus. They are saying that Jesus, as he has been proclaimed as King and Lord, they are saying he is my King and Lord. And so as the people come, and they're going to be in, in, in this cool tub, uh, and it's, which is warm water, trust me, I uh, felt it. They're going to be asked three questions. And those three questions are this, and they're, going, they're responding yes to each of these three questions. Are you confessing today that Jesus is Lord? Are you trusting in Him alone for the forgiveness of your sins? Is it your desire to submit your life to Him in obedience to whatever he asks of you. 
our friends this morning are going to be saying yes to those questions. And they're going to be identifying not only with the, res- the death and resurrection of Jesus, but also with us as brothers and sisters in Christ. That they are saying, this community, this church is my church. And they are part of it. They are part of God's people. And we get to bear witness to that wonderful news. So as they come out, as they enter the tub, be thinking, be remembering that you, we, have a responsibility to them and their faith. They are family. They are our family. So first person is going to be baptized is Tom Jorgensen. And the second person is going to be baptized is David Perez. So in just a couple minutes, they'll be coming out now.